Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Invite those who are able to please stand for our first lesson. It is from Psalm 139. Listen now to the Word of God. O Lord, You have searched me and known me, and You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away, and You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it is you who formed my inward parts, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them, and they are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and the bloodthirsty would depart from me, those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred, and I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able or invited to stand for our second lesson comes to us from the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter. That of which we read today has transpired after Jesus' birth and Mary and Joseph are bringing the Christ child to the temple to observe the Jewish commandment of presenting the child with a sacrifice and for circumcision. And there they meet a man named Simeon. And Simeon has been looking for the Messiah of God. And he makes a, a, a joyful and heartfelt declaration to God that, that he could now depart in peace. But the words I want us to hold on to are the words that Simeon speaks to Mary about this child and who he is. 
and what will happen because of him. Listen to God's word. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to thy people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about the child. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and a sign that is spoken against. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that out the thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. In an attempt to comprehend Christmas, we have looked at the dimensions that Paul mentions in Ephesians and his prayer that we might come to know what is the width of God's love. And we said God's love is wide enough to reach us where we are and to reach around the entire creation in love. That we might come to know the length of God's love. And we looked at that in a, in a, in a qualitative measure of time to understand God's patience and God's desire for us to be known by Him and God's waiting for us in patient love and long-suffering love. Last week, we considered what is the height of God's love. We are reminded that God's love is higher than the heavens, but it is from that place that God out of love came down to show us His love and the gift of His Son, Jesus. And so this morning, we now consider the question, how deep, how deep is God's love? How deep does it go? Will you pray with me, please? Oh Lord, we present ourselves to You now. We have come by the call of Your Spirit to be in Your house with Your people. Lord, we are a people who are waiting. We are a people who are anxious. We're a people who are fearful. We're a people who are expectant. We're a people who need, need You. We need to hear Your Word today. And so by Your Spirit, speak Your Word to us. 
And that I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be found acceptable, pleasing in your sight. For Lord, you are our solid rock, the bedrock of our lives. You're our Redeemer, and we praise you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was younger, I was not a very big fan of Santa Claus, to be real honest with you. I didn't quite know how to take this strange character who sometimes appeared rather creepy. I mean, he was only around once a year wearing some strange clothing and um, was a threatening character of sorts, trying to manipulate my behavior to be good so that I could get what I wanted. He knew everything about me. It's kind of scary, to tell you the truth, is Santa Claus. As the song goes, Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. And then this, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. So shape up. He knows everything about you. And the fact that Santa Claus knew everything about me and that he was coming to town was not the best combination for me. I'm not sure I wanted Santa Claus to come to town if he knew everything about me. It might be switches and coal. But what I want us to consider is, is do we think about God in the same way? As children, we might. But do we, as adults, still have some kind of a relationship with that weird dynamic that we had with Santa Claus when we were younger? Do we think of God like we think of Santa Claus, some strange person, some ethereal, faraway being in some odd place, remote, distant, that we, we only see occasionally, but is who is lurking all of the time, watching us at all times, judging our behavior, ready to give us what we deserve. He's making a list of all of our sins. Checking it twice. He knows when we've been naughty and when we've been nice. You know, we've heard about God's character, about God being omnipotent and all-powerful. We've heard about God's character, that God is, is omniscient and knows all, and that God is omnipresent and is always there. It sounds like the picture of God that is painted for us in the 139th Psalm. It almost sounds, sounds kind of like Santa Claus. We read this morning in our first lesson that the Lord has searched us and known us. He knows when we sit down. He knows when we rise up. He discerns our thoughts from a far distance. He searches out the way that we go, whether we're lying down, whether we're rising up. 
even before we speak a word. He knows the thought before it even comes out of our mouths and even when we do not speak it. He follows behind us. He goes before us. His hand is always upon us. And this is some really awesome knowledge that God has of us. That there is nowhere that we can go that God is not already there. We can't flee from God's presence. If we go to heaven, if we go to hell, we go to anywhere in between, that God is already there. God's lurking in the dark. And even the darkness is not dark to God. If that's how well God knows us, God knows my thoughts, God knows my path, God knows what I do, what I do not do, what I think, what I say. Maybe it's no wonder that we have maybe a strained relationship like unto children, some children have with Santa Claus. We may say, I don't want anyone around who knows me that well. I don't want anyone in my life who has that kind of knowledge of me in that way. Because the fact of the matter is, I can fake it with other people until I make it. I can, I can get through Christmas being a good enough person. That time when this character makes a once-of-year obligatory visit, and then when it's over, I can put away the tree, I can box up the ornaments, I can put the lights in the attic, and I can go on with my life. And many of us will treat God in the same way. Keeping God at arm's length, we do not want God to get too close to us. We, want, we, can, we can hide, we can shuck, we can jive, we can fake, we can pretend, we can ignore. If I don't acknowledge God, maybe God will not acknowledge me. Maybe God will not bother me. Maybe God will go and get some really bad people. And I can just look good enough to get by. We can avoid God. Like maybe you've avoided somebody in the mall recently or when you've been out shopping. You know, it's a time when there are a whole lot of people circulating in the, in the retail world. And, and you, you see people in the aisles or in the parking lots that you don't ordinarily see at any other time during the year, and you bump into folks. But have you seen that person and you go, oh, I hope that she, he doesn't see me. Maybe we won't make eye contact, and I can just go on without having to acknowledge that person and get into that conversation or make that connection. And maybe we treat our relationship with God in a similar fashion. Maybe it's deeper than that even though, that we might even say that if, if I don't get to know God, then I don't have to encounter God. And maybe that's how we live our Christian lives. Just trying to get by. Doing just enough to look good. Maybe even to fake it. 
But how is it that we know God? Last week we talked about general and special revelation, and we mentioned that a special revelation of God, of God seeking us and making God's self known to us comes through Scripture. I remember several years ago when I was visiting with a Catholic priest and there was a, a little placard on the wall of his office and it said these simple words, ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of God. And it caused me to ask the question, how well do I know God? How well do we know His Word which He has given us to reveal Himself to us? Sometimes we can treat the Bible as something that we can keep at arm's length by what we believe that it is or isn't. We can domesticate God's Word and say it's a good story. I enjoy hearing a lot of the stories in the Bible but it's just another amazing piece of literature. And really it has little relevance and application to my life, and particularly in the 21st century. Or maybe if we do encounter the Bible, we read into it what we want it to say, or what we need it to say, versus the Bible being that document that we do not read, but that reads us as we encounter the living Word in a relationship. Scripture reading me, interpreting me to myself that I will know myself better, speaking to me, teaching me, ruling me, and shaping me. As we think about our relationship with the Word of God, we can also think about our relationships with other people and the way that we manipulate our relationship with others. And we can, in the same way, keep other people at arm's length. We can avoid. We can, we can slide by. We can hide so that other people will only see what we want them to see, and we will only have to go so deep. So the warts, the faults, the ugly parts of ourselves that we would not want to see the light of day, we can keep hidden if we keep people at a distance. But you know, there is that deeper yearning within us to be in relationship because that is how we were created in our DNA to be in relationship with God and with one another. And thinking about this, it, it, is, it, is a, it is an amazing time in which we live in that we have such powerful ways to connect our lives. And I'm thinking principally about the internet and social media and the ways that we can be connected with people close at hand, people far away, people that we have not seen, and make new friends and relationships through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But in those arenas, we can share with the world, with others, only what we want them to see. I could put a pretty good face out there to the world. I can show the best selfies. I can tell the best stories. 
celebrate the best accomplishments, the greatest vacations, whatever it is that I want to present to the world, but only what I want others to see. And I can have a lot of relationships, 500 friends on Facebook, but no relationships in an intimate way. But the fact of the matter is, is that God built us for relationship. God wants intimacy with us. God wants us to know Him, to know God in the same deep and intimate way that God knows us. The 139th Psalm goes on to talk about this deep knowledge that God has of us. And it is deeper than knowing just what we say and where we go and what we do and do not do and our secret selves. But God knows us even more deeply. Because the psalmist says that it is God who knit us together in our mother's womb. It is God who put us together in the secret depths of the earth, intricately wrought there, that God knows the hairs on our head the days in our life and the life in our years. God has a very deep knowledge of us and wants us to have a very deep knowledge of God's self. God wants this so that we will not fear God, but that we would know His love, His deep love for us, coupled with His deep knowledge and that we would love Him and others in return. Let me ask you this question and see if you believe that, uh, that, that where it leads us is true. Think with me, if you will, about the person who knows you better than anyone else in your earthly relationship. Who is the person who knows you better than anyone? I mean, the good, the bad, the heavy, the skinny, the dark, the light, you may be sitting next to that person. Now let me ask you this question. Who loves you the best? If you're like me, it's the person who knows me the best in my life. All the beautiful and ugly. The upsides and the downsides. And yet loves me. Having said that, think of God's knowledge of us. And that deep knowledge that God has of us who made us. And that love that is deep. As deep as God's knowledge of us. You heard Debbie Spear in the children's sermon. And she was talking to the children about that song that I just mentioned a few moments ago about Santa Claus. Who knows when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows when you've been bad or good. Who knows you like that or better than that? And all the children said, who? They answered correctly. Who did they say? God. But here's where we take it even to a deeper level as Christians. Because God has loved us so much 
and wants to be in intimate relationship with us so desperately that God did not want us to miss His love, so He gave it to us in His Son, Jesus, who came wrapped in flesh. And as well as God knows us, Jesus knows us that well. And Scripture reveals that to us also. Scripture says that Jesus knew what was in the heart of man. And Simeon echoes this when he said to Mary, through this child we will see the rising and the falling of many. He will be rejected, but in his rejection there will be redemption and the hearts of all people will be revealed and their thoughts will be revealed. And when we encounter Jesus Christ, we know more about who this loving God is, omniscient. And who we are, we come to know ourselves as we encounter God in Jesus Christ who came out of His great love for us and deep knowledge of us. For Jesus came knowing that He would be killed, rejected, Crucified, but He came anyway. Jesus came knowing His fate and what awaited Him. He came anyway. He knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus went anyway. Jesus knew that in the garden, the disciples would desert Him, and He went to the garden anyway. He said to Peter, you will reject Me, and knew it before it happened that Peter would reject and deny Him he loved Peter. He knew it all, yet he came with deep knowledge and deep love. And that deep love is not based on our fickle limitations, but his love is deeply rooted in our relationship with this living God. Because God's love in Jesus Christ is not contingent upon or reliant upon our goodness, but upon His faithfulness. Our relationship with Jesus Christ and His knowledge and His love and full acceptances of us is not related to our performance, but upon His grace and His love. And when we are in intimate relationship with this living God and Jesus Christ, we come to know ourselves even more deeply. So I was thinking about this sermon. I was thinking about an, an encounter that Jesus Christ had. And He had many of this nature. But the one that has stuck with me and resonated in my heart is in the Gospel of John, John 4. And Jesus here encounters a Samaritan woman at the well in the middle of the day. And they have an incredible and lengthy conversation. And Jesus asks her to dip water for him. And she says, I have, I have no way to get the water. And Jesus says, well, go ask your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus said to her, what you have said is true. Because the truth of the matter is, you have had five husbands. And the man that you are now with is not your husband. What a deep knowledge that Jesus had this woman. 
Yet he went on to talk to her about living water that he would offer her and she would never be thirsty again. And she would experience a fountain welling up in her that would overflow in an eternal way. And Jesus said, the one who is offering you this water is me. I am the water of life. And in this encounter, this honest, deep encounter that this woman has with Jesus, the story goes that she returns to her town. And do you know what she does? She doesn't cover it up and not tell anybody about what has happened to her. But in return, in, in, in actuality, what she says is, I have met a man who knows everything I have ever done. Come see him. Jesus Christ knows everything about you. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. And Jesus Christ knows exactly where you are right now, what you're facing, your fears, your hopes, your anxieties, your pain. Jesus knows you intimately and loves you and loves you and loves you. And it is a transforming love. And when we grow in relationship with Jesus Christ, we cannot help but be those who no longer have to hide. We no longer have to pretend because nothing is hidden. And so we not need our helps hide ourselves from God or from each other but we can live our lives openly and in joy and be transformed by that intimate relationship and invite others to come to it because the life that we find in Him is the true life. Yes, Jesus Christ is coming to town. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ is here. And Jesus Christ will return. And so, friends, go and tell the world, tell the world of this great knowledge and this great love that we have in Him. And to God be the glory, today and forever. Amen. Amen.